Hello and welcome to the Albion Social, your number one podcast for all things West Bromwich Albion. My name's Brad, otherwise known as Albion Insights. And as always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Alfie from the Baggies Bible. So today, we've only got the one game to cover, as opposed to the usual two, and that's Southampton away. So again, my co-host actually travelled away to Southampton, made the long trip <laughs> to go and watch the, the Baggies up against the Saints. So... Alf, do you, want, do you want to give me your thoughts on the day, on the game itself, how we set up and how you thought we played? Yeah, um, I was, I was, uh, came away from this game very happy, very enthused, uh, which is incredible, really, because we lost the game. Um, <laughs> but I think you could, uh, you could see what type of team Southampton were and the way we responded to that and the way Carlos countered that was... It was uh, incredible for me. Um, when you're looking at their team and their squad, as we went over last week, mm. um, you know, they brought on, they took Adam Armstrong off and brought on Ross Stewart. And uh, you're like, how do you compete with that? But we did. We we went fully toe-to-toe with them. And I think the only, the only uh, difference between us, really, was the fact that they had a player who could find a little bit of space and put it in the goal. That was all it was. Um, obviously, in Adam Armstrong. So, um, yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good performance against what what is one of the best sides in the division, with uh, one of the best managers in the division. And uh, yeah, we uh, we went toe to toe for me, and I was really proud of the boys, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't think <clears throat> there's been a lot of games in the last few years with the Albion where you, we've come away from the game, but it's been a loss. And it's been very positive, well, mostly positive feelings around the game. Yeah. I, I can name on, on one hand, really, all those, all those performances. So to go, to go to Southampton, leave it all out on the pitch against arguably the second best squad in the, in the division, fair play to the lads for going and doing that. You, you, you can't really fault them. No, yeah, I mean, it, they had a very well-deserved full standing innovation kind of thing off the pitch. Mm. Um, and they all came over, kind of gave their uh, appreciation to us as we deserved. We was, I thought, our away end was excellent. Um, and yeah, Carlos was first over. He was clapping us, and he was beating his chest. And that's, you know, that's it gets you up for it. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, that's why we're behind this geezer because he's uh, he, he puts a showing like that in um, against you know one of the best teams in the league, as we say, and. He's uh he's straight over to us. He's not you know he's not sulking going back into the the changing room straight away, which uh, I've I've uh, been very angry about before with other managers. Um, so yeah, I was uh yeah I think that that told the story. The fact that we, you know, you we the, it was pretty much the whole away end stayed till the end until they'd all come over and get, they gave us a good clap and we gave them. So it sums it up, really. Um, in a loss, like you say, um, it, it reflects really well on the performance. Yeah, like you said, I, I don't think we've had that type of connection with the manager since maybe Slav or a bit like Big Dave as well. I don't think you've had that type of connection where you really feel the love he has for the club. And he, he's he obviously had, well, you, you look at Big Dave, who was here beforehand, obviously a player as well. He had no affiliation to West Brom before he came in, so this relationship developed over time, and you can see the relationship he has with the fans and the, and the players. And it's really good to see. Mm-hmm. And I think 
it was always, always going to be a tough game against very good opposition. Arguably the best, the best, second best squad in the league, as I said earlier in, in the last pod. But I think if you take away the first 25, 30 minutes, really, we, we were arguably the, the better side for the majority of the game. Yeah, we was. We was. Um, yeah, I do agree with the first yeah, 20, 25, half hour. It did feel like we was a little bit overwhelmed with mm. how Saints wanted to play and obviously the quality they've got. Um, it did feel like we was kind of treading water a little bit. But then, yeah, the, towards the end of the first half, we kind of found our feet. And uh, going into half-time, I was fully... Um, Fully, I had full trust in Carlos to kind of do the right tactical tweaks, and he did because the second half it was pretty much pure domination. Um, even after we scored, um, we carried on going, and we had a, we had Furlong's header off the bar. We had a few little little skirmishes oh, and stuff. Oh, um, and yeah, I think realistically, you're looking at probably. 45 50 minutes of that game where we are we were the team in the ascendancy which is uh it's it's incredible it really is yeah i think we should feel very hard done by to come away from that game with, with zero points especially i think a, a draw may have, would have been a fairer result but there's nothing saying that we, should, we shouldn't come away with the whole, with the whole three points there to be honest mm-hmm. um i think we started very slow which was the first time we've done that since since Watford, really. It's the first time that we've conceded first in the game in nine games. Yeah. So that, that is very telling. In the last nine games, we've gone out we've gone out on the front foot and we've been the better team in the first, in the opening sort of 15, 20 minutes, which was sort of a, a theme under Bruce where we conceded in the first 15 minutes every single game. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos sort of gnawed that. And like you said, I think... We were a lot of rabbits in the headlights a little bit against Southampton in the opening, sort of 15, 20 minutes. And at the end of the day, a clinical striker is the, is the be all end of all of a championship, top championship side. If you have a clinical striker, that those can be the differences in these type of big games. And Adam Armstrong was the difference here. When you compare him to someone like BTA, who I'm not slating at all, by the way, because I do get, <laughs> I do get quite a bit of heat on that. Um, I think BTA was very good off the ball. Yeah. Southampton, his chasing and pressing was very good. But again, his uh, first touch into feet, holding play up, sort of he, the cleanliness clean of his play just wasn't there. It was lacking. Yeah, I, don't, I, I do agree. I'm, I'm, you know, BTA's first defender. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's a tough one because uh, I have full faith that he can be a, a fairly clinical striker. Don't get me wrong, he's it's never going to be you know, 20, 25 goal a season, I don't think. But I think he's a, he's got the potential for a 15 goaler. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, I thought his, his uh, off-the-ball play and kind of hold-up play was uh, really good. But, yeah, I mean, the, you had the chance at the end of the first half that he kind of, I think he hit it into the ground a little bit, did he? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good move by Jed as well. Good, good yeah. movement, great cross into the box, and I think he just sort of fluffed his lines a little bit. He yeah. Had a bit more composure. And by the way, like, I understand the whole thing around him that, yes, he's young, yes, he's come from League Two, yes, he's essentially playing out of position because he's not a lone forward. I understand all of that. But the question marks still remain over him that he needs to just get the basics a little bit better. In, in my yeah, opinion. well, it's, I think it's just the basics of 
finishing, to be honest. Because, um, like, yeah, that chance. Uh, yeah, like if Adam Armstrong's there. He's getting a solid contact on it, and it's flying into the net, isn't it? Um, exactly. And I think you could probably say that about Madger and DK as well. Um, it's just, yeah, BTA hasn't quite got that finishing nature. And then I think as well, there was a really good cross. Uh, it wasn't a cross, but uh, the Phillips had a shot in the second half and it kind of arched. It was a proper like finesse shot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it kind of proper curved over the box. And BTA was just kind of stood there. And you're like, well, it was like kind of in no man's land for the keeper where if someone gambles on that, gets a little nod on it, it's it's a goal. And um, yeah, I think he lacks that as well, where being alive in the box. And I think that's reflected in the fact that he doesn't score many goals like that, to be honest, mm. like tappings. And I mean, I remember when he was scoring the the wonder goals last season. <laughs> and I was, I, I was saying to, you know, the people I go, go up with, like, I'm, I'm sure he would have been, felt the same, but you can't. You want him to score bad goals, yeah. Strikers' exactly. goals. This is what you want him to score. Obviously, don't get me wrong. He wants to score all the wonder goals he wants. Carry on, but um, I think it reflects on his play as a striker when he's not scoring those goals. And like I say, it was lovely. It wasn't. Really, I don't. Know, it was like cross come shot. You know the classic yeah. joke term. Um, and it was like it just—it was just there to just be get your forehead on it. But but then the the goal that we scored, I thought that was really good movement from him because he found a little bit of space. Um, Jed put a cracking ball in and uh, got his head on it, and that's what you want to see. But yeah, I just he, he hasn't quite got the natural um, striker's brain. I don't think. I think you either have it or you don't. Essentially, yeah. I think it, it's not something that you can really teach a player, and he has improved from last season. Um, yeah, but it was shown against like Hall last week as well for Phillips's goal when Phillips and Beater were essentially neck and neck when yeah. Diego didn't go on the ball at wide. Phillips dropped off yeah. and he dropped off the center half. And whether that was between them to sort of pull the defenders wide, but I think he can learn a lot from even someone like Phillips who isn't a clinical person. Just his movement off the ball to, to drop back, pick up the ball off Grady and and create that chance. Yeah. You, can, you can learn a lot from that. But again, overall, I think BT had done very good work off the ball. Yeah. And we can say this every single week that he's not clinical, he's not the top striker that we need, but end of the day he works hard for the team. And yeah. we can really ask of him to be honest. Yeah, and I think when you, you, you're coming against these kind of teams, um, and we're, you know, you're kind of setting up against the possession-based system and stuff like that. I think a player like BTA is really important um, to counter that. And I think you saw that a lot hassling the defenders and hassling the goalkeeper, who, uh, Bazunu, I thought he looked um, very shaky in the first half with his kicking and stuff. And that's where you need BTA to kind of, a player like BTA, to uh, you know, put his put his hard yards in as he does every week, and uh, kind of maybe fashion a chance out of a mistake and stuff like that. But yeah, it's a kind of it's a it's a conundrum in it really. Um, it's it's a toss up. Like we say, I think he just hasn't got the natural striker's instincts, which is a shame, really. Well, <clears throat> we went into the second half and we did, I'd say, dominate the. 
essentially, but as we grew into the second half, we dominated the majority of it, and that was mostly down to a substitution that Carlos made in the midfield. Yeah. Our, our man, our main man, Mowat. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. How good is Mowat, and how how pivotal is it to our, to our system? Well, uh, how pivotal is Alex Mowat to our system? Uh, is first name on the team sheet, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, obviously Chalibur's come back into the fold. Uh, started playing better. I don't think he, I don't think he played particularly bad on Saturday. Uh is getting better. Yakushlu had a good game, but it just it, there's no midfield there when you haven't got Mo at there. Uh, when he's not there, and I think it's it's a reflection on him as a player how well he's doing, how important he is to the team. You really, really tell when Alex Mowat is not in the midfield. And uh, like you say, it's, um, it was a game-changing substitution uh, because I thought we started the half well because obviously he brought him on 55th minute or so, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, which I was surprised about. I thought it'd be a half-time sub, to be honest. But yeah, I thought we started the half well and then it, that was just kind of solidified us and our possession game and stuff like that. He started taking corners and stuff. And uh, obviously we scored from the, uh, well, I did start, score from the corner, but put some good corners in. Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I think we we said it, you know, a few a few episodes ago, didn't we, that it's Alex Mower and someone else in the midfield, whether that's Chalavat, uh, Yukushlu, Malumbi. And I think that game, it, uh, it completely solidifies that opinion, that it is Mower and it's not someone and Mower. Um, so I think, yeah, to me, first name of the team sheet, to be honest, mm. uh, because of his importance in, in the middle, it's, it's, you know, it's massive for me. And I think myself, as well as some other fans, were quite not essentially baffled, but we were confused as to why Moat wasn't starting. But I made a point before the game that Carlos understands his players now better than he did before, and he's trying to man manage them and manage the fitness. And Moat's had injuries in the past um but last season the season before where it's kept him out for six to ten games and i, tr- I do believe that carlos is essentially just managing him and managing his fitness yeah i i think that southampton would have been the perfect game for moat which is a bit confusing for me as to why he didn't start and that it, it was showcased in the second half why he should have started in my opinion yeah. especially with the international break coming up as well he, he did have two four weeks to recover <laughs> um but again, you can't question Carlos's decisions, really. <laughs> and and the, he he's a he's a football manager, and yeah. we're we're sitting here. But um, I think it's right to say, well, why wasn't he starting? Because he's so pivotal. I think without, like you said, without someone like Swift, who's his delivery is so good on the ball with with like dead balls and set pieces, Mowat is pivotal to that side of it as well. Yeah. Because we don't really have another player that can do that in our team. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, he came on immediately. All the free kicks, all the corners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, he was he was a man for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I do agree. You can't question Carlos's judgment on the situation. And like I say, I don't think Chalaba and Yukushlu played badly. I think Yukushlu, like I say, had a, had a good game. Um, but they didn't play well as a two. Um, so yeah, it, it is a bit bewildering. But I. Maybe he's seen the game panning out differently in that I think we kind of grew into the game 
and started to dominate the game. And it feels like if you're setting up a Chalaba Yukushri midfield, you're getting ready to not have the ball. You're getting ready to defend, uh, you know, a possession-based team, which on the face of it, coming up against Southampton uh, away, that's what you're going to be doing. Um, so maybe it's, I don't, maybe the, the game's kind of swung uh, in a different way than he thought it would. Um, maybe, you know, how, how Southampton were playing the, in the first half, Moat wouldn't have made too much of a difference because they had a lot of the ball and they were very intense. So maybe, you know, maybe it was the right decision. We just don't know it. Um, exactly. I think that, like you said, that the game may have actually surprised Carlos by how it panned out because we actually kept Southampton to their third lowest um, possession yeah. in, in the league this season. They only had 53% possession against us, which is, which is the third lowest they've ever had this season so far. So when you look at their past possession, the average possession, which is the highest in the championship, Carlos, like you said, may have set up with two in, well, immobile defensive midfielders who aren't very good in the build because he expected a more defensive game, a counter-attacking game. Yeah. And when it, when it didn't really pan out like that, Southampton give us more of the ball. That's when he sort of seen that point of, oh, he might be perfect for this now, and he was. So, yeah. <clears throat> as we've said before with Carlos, his in-game management is getting better and better, in my opinion. I think that that, that was one of his sort of downfalls when he first joined. Yeah, we, we questioned a lot of his changes, the times, yeah. the substitutions, and if that was last season, would Moat have been brought on the 50th minute? I think it would have been well the 70th minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just a young manager who's developing really well, in my opinion, and he, he made the right, the right calls in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I definitely think that Carlos from here on out will be um, starting Moat. Do you know what I mean? Because you can see the, the importance he has to the team. Obviously, it's horses for course, isn't it? And, uh, like we say, he, he might have uh, predicted the course to be a bit bit different. So, yeah, he's uh, he's learning. Um, like you say, he's still young. He's he's not even forty, is he? Um, no. He's obviously uh, very you know young in his actual managerial career as well. I know he's been coaching for a long time, but as a manager, he's you know he started he only started like four years ago, didn't he? Four or five years ago. Mm. So yeah, he's got a lot to learn. Um, and you say about his. Uh, his subs and you know it's been it, i think there's been moments where his subs have been pretty bad um what what do you think about the four subs that he made do you think he made them too late um because i don't i spoke to a few people that thought maybe he should have you know not rotated it a bit but it's a bit more fresh legs as we was gaining more momentum um but i'm not sure i'm not sure i've seen four changes at once it's a big, uh, it's a yeah. it's a big thing to do, isn't it? But I know I mean, you think that was the right thing to do or not? Yeah, I think he, he got the timing of the the moment sort of pretty spot on. I think, like I say, in my opinion, it should have been brought on at half time, but you know, yeah. you never really see a lot of changes at half time. So I think with Moat, it was pretty spot on. After that, we got the goal and we were sort of dominating the game again, and then the game seemed to open up for a small period of time around the seventieth minute and. That's when you want someone like Fellows or Sarmiento coming on to, to, to sort of pull the wingers and just drive at them and, and yeah. just try and get that second goal. So I think he, he did leave it slightly too late because he did make the four subs straight after their goal. Yeah. And it was the same as what Russell Martin did with our goal when he did his triple substitution straight after ours with 
And I think it, it was the right thing to do for Russell Martin. I don't think Corbrand sort of reacted to that until it was too late, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I, I think if we brought those four players on, maybe maybe not a Joey, but maybe Fellows and Sarmiento, um, give some fresh legs off of Phillips and Wallace. Yeah. And just go for the game around the 70th, 75th minute. I think it would have been perfect. He left it a little bit too late, unfortunately. The day got the goal, which was a lapse of concentration from... Oh, the, I won't go into that just yet. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, again, he, he's learning. He's learning on the job. And yeah. he's learning to sort of manage these games and control these games. And when you're up against a top manager like Russell Martin, because he is, it's difficult that there's tactical battles sometimes. Yeah. And overall, I think he done well with the subs. It was the right subs, I think, just slightly too late yeah yeah no i think i, I think I, I side with you a little bit too late but what i like about carlos is he sticks to his philosophy as we said against uh hall um he, i think he believes in what he puts out and uh he's and then it only requires small tweaks do you know what i mean um so that's i really like that about him he just needs to balance it with knowing when to make you know subs and tactical changes i think his his tactical changes he often gets right and at the right time but um yeah i think he's uh, still got a bit of legwork to do with uh, his impact subs to be honest mm. which is no problem he'll get there, <laughs> he'll get there you will give him time don't want him out or nothing <laughs> i think um one of the main talking points again was probably the fallbacks um, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of discussion around that on Twitter at the moment. Well, X at the moment. Um, some of the slander that's, that's been going around around um, Carlos Townsend. <laughs> Can I Carlos? Um, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's, well, it's a bit ridiculous. Like, yeah. I, 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 I understand that he's he's he lapsed concentration and he's left his man for one of the most clinical strikes in, in the league at the back post with no one around him, but. Do you, can you see where that might be a sort of tactical fault rather than a personnel fault? Because we're usually set up in the, in the back back three, back five, and we're defending a five, essentially, right? If we're switching to defending a four, and we don't have more of a natural sort of defender than Peters, who's very good spatially, do you think Carlos... Carlos Connor <laughs> was sort of expecting someone else to be there at the back post. Well, yeah, I think it does. Him. It feels like that, and it looks like that. I think. Um, I think it's partly situational because um, I don't know who was who in the box. If I'm honest, for for Southampton, but there were. I think there was like a late run made by one of their midfielders, um, and then it kind of made an overload. Where, like you say, if if you defending with the five uh Townsend comes in and I think he still came in despite Phillips being a bit further forward mm. so I think you can uh put it down to a little bit situational you know it happens sometimes the box gets overloaded and you got split seconds to make your mind up um and I think you can put a little bit of blame on Phillips as well um for not kind of tucking in a little bit more but you know the when you're in Phillips's position, you're not looking behind you, are you? You don't, you, you, because you've got the player on the edge of the box. So it's it's a difficult one, man. And I think all you can do is put it down to 
these goals happen. And uh, the, yeah. they've got, uh, as as I said earlier, they've got a striker who can find spaces in the box and put the put the ball in the net. So yeah, I think we can. And you know, like you say about the slander that Townsend's been getting, um, they're you know under that post and he's tagged in it, and you're just like, well, what are we gaining from this? Do you know what I mean? What? No one's winning. No one's winning. And uh, it annoyed me because after the game, um, it kind of felt like we was a club united again with all the players coming over and the fans staying to clap them off and how good the away end was. It felt like, you know, we had a club that was together again. And then you see that and you think, oh, what is it like? We're, we're together apart from this player that I don't like. like. It don't work like that, does it? It's... Townsend is uh, obviously our vice captain. He's uh, we bought him for what? I think it was seven hundred fifty k from Scunthorpe. Something, yeah, something like that. In twenty eighteen, and he's he's gone up to the Premier League with us, and come back down and became our vice captain. And you know, I think he's been solid for quite a long while. Um, so. <laughs> You know, it just frustrates me, to be honest, because it's needless for a start. You can have your opinions and stuff like that, but do you think Conor Townsend doesn't know that he should have maybe stepped back a little bit more or blah-de-blah? It's just it's pathetic, if I'm honest. It really gets my back up a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm not sitting here defending this performance because it was a relatively poor performance on Townsend's part. I mean... He lost eight out of ten duels. He lost them. He got drilled past three times by, I think it was maybe Carlos Alcaraz mm. or Suleimana. And yeah, it was an overall poor performance. But like you say, the whole squad in general are so united at the moment, and you can see that. And there's a reason why he's the voice captain. We, yeah. we, we don't see what happens on the inside. We don't see any of that relationships that the players have. Who's the more outspoken one in the changing room? And obviously, he has a massive impact in the squad. And for him to be tagged in the post, which I think was wrong anyway, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Because yeah. um, I think you, you should really know what's going to happen under that, that type of post. Yeah. Um, to have the, those type of fans go on there and say, oh, well, here was a poor performance and maybe he shouldn't be playing all this type of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's fine to have those opinions, but there's no need to directly slander and attack a football player that plays for your football club. There's, no. There's, no, there's no need for it. No, there's no need. Yeah, like I say, and it's. I think you look at the, the the goal itself, and like I say, I'd I'd say it's, it's not, it's a shared fault. Do you know what I mean? A lot of different players could have done a lot of different things, and like I say, maybe we could have set up a little bit differently. There's, there's an endless list of things that you could say about it, and it's just. It's, it's needless and it's it's worthless as well. It's a waste of time and energy doing this kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a shame, really. It's a shame. Well, I think overall it's a very positive time for the football club. Yeah. <laughs> Going into the, the 40th international break of the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we've only lost one of our last five. We've played really good football overall. With the return of Swift and hopefully Maja after the international break, and obviously DK maybe later on in, in December, a bit earlier than, than we may have first thought. How do they fit now back into the system? How how do we utilise them the, in the best way possible? I do not know. 
I do not know. And I think, uh, I can't remember if it was uh, Lewis Cox or Chapman, uh, put a, did, they both did peace night today, but one of them said that it's good that Swift, um, Swift especially, because obviously he's the form man this season, um, he doesn't have to come in, back into a team and be the best player again. He can come back and slip back in with other players that are also playing well. And he doesn't have the pressure to come straight back from an injury and be the John Swift of, what was it, six, eight weeks ago, yeah. straight away. Do you know what I mean? So um, they'll be managed. They'll be managed. Carlos loves a, an injury manage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one because we've, we've gone away from Swift's 3-4-3. Uh, where he was, you know, he found his position, as we've said previously. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure where you'd actually put Swift. Uh, Madger, you know, very straightforward, put him up front. Um, I'd I'd like to see Madger and uh, BTA play off each other. Um, And that's obviously, you know, we're playing the 4-4-2 kind of thing now. That suits that. So, I think, don't think we'll see that straight away, uh, but I think it's something we'll definitely see, especially if we're, you know, drawing or chasing games. Say like the Saints game, you'd have you'd have probably seen Major before, um, before Saints scored anyway. But that's it's the perfect time to try the two up front. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're all of a sudden we're in a really good place with the squad. I feel like. Because players are playing well, and uh, yeah, you got Swift coming back. Where does he fit in? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, Carlos will find a space for him, and it's it's obviously deserved. And uh, I can't wait to see him back. To be honest, I think with Majo, he's shown that he can add a different dimension to that play compared to BTA. I think the, yeah. the way he can hold up the ball, bring other players into play, and sort of win those silly fouls up, up the pitch. He can drag us up the pitch. I think it may have been, I want to say, Preston, <laughs> potentially. No, no, no. I, I might have got that wrong. Um, but yeah, I've just got an image in my head of, of Major holding up the ball, winning those city fouls, and just adds a completely different dimension to BTA. Yeah. And I'd like to see them play together again and sort of form that relationship, which DK and BTA had last season, where they were sort of rotating, scoring goals, competing together. It's a healthy competition. And yeah. to have two strikers who need that confidence it might do them do them well to have a bit of competition there as well yeah i mean uh, you remember gail and joe rod and they was having their little competition weren't they for goals and stuff like that um that's only healthy that's only good um competitions always is is probably one of the most important things in football i think Mm. so um yeah and and then you know you say about dk coming back um yeah i mean there's there's three players in the running there for the for the top spot um whether we're still playing two up front by then whether we shifted jed back over to the right by then or what but yeah i'm uh i'm quite excited about swift coming back for sure uh Madger finally getting his proper <laughs> proper integration into our you know starting lineup Hopefully. and uh yeah seeing big big daz back I, I really love I really love DK to be honest and uh, 
he, he's he's been so unlucky, as we know. Um, he's he's caught caught a few strays. I think I've, I've defended him a few times of people saying he's a crock and stuff like this. But he, his injuries have all been different things, haven't they? And mm. uh, it's just I just feel like he's been so unlucky, and for such a young man as well. He's uh he's obviously got a lot of mental strength, so I look forward to him coming back very much. Definitely, and <clears throat> I think the return of Swift is probably going to be the most pivotal to our season because I think in one of the previous episodes I said that he tops every single attacking metric, and yeah. he still he still has done through his injury, which is completely insane. Yeah. <laughs> he still tops most of the most attacking charts, yeah, and it just highlights how good he actually was and his maybe his underlying numbers but obviously his overall performances as well was was so important to us just our upturning form and we've continued that without him like i said that the pressure is now sort of off of him really he can integrate back into the squad he can pick up his fitness again he might not start a couple of games but yeah his his importance to the team is is, is there up for all to see and I, I can't wait for, for them all to return <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's an exciting prospect, um, and like I say, with you, you, they're coming back into a team that's playing well, with players that are that are playing well. Um, so it's a yeah, it's a really exciting prospect for me. I really look forward to it. I think the last thing I wanted to touch on, but just before we finish, um, there's obviously been a little bit of speculation around Tom Fellows today and yeah. the, the last couple of days. Um, Interest from Southampton and Leicester, apparently, as well as a duo from the Bundesliga. Really? Who said mm. that? It's been all over our reliable source on Twitter. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, shit. Personally, I see it all as agent talk. Again. Well, yeah, uh, I hope so, to be honest. I know, is he out of contract this, at the end of the season or not? He's out of contract um, end of the season. And okay. I think it's similar to what, also what sort of happened with Ryan's Cleary in the yeah. last season, where he had all that, that speculation, but nothing really materialised. And he, he's a he's a youth player that's played what? He hasn't started a game for us yet. I don't think professional appearance for us. He's been six, six substitute, substitute appearances. And I can't see where that, that, that sort of interest would come from, from the Bundesliga and from Southampton and Leicester. Yeah, nah, it's a it's a random one, that's for sure, and it, it most likely is agent talk. Um, I didn't I didn't think he was out of contract to be honest. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, you know, there could be something in that. But yeah, I think when you say he's out of contract next next uh, summer, it's definitely it's got to be agent talk. But I think I still think it, it uh, reflects well on him and the progress he's made. And I really like him as a player. I really think he's a, a fearless player. Um, out on the wing, he's got so much pace and so much. Uh, he's so direct. Um, and you know, when you've got fellows and Sarmiento to bring off the bench, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a it's a frightening prospect. I think for fullbacks. So yeah, I mean, I'd I'd love to keep him. It feels like it feels like every time. There's a little bit of spark in our academy. Someone saying Something. he's leaving, yeah. and you're like, ah, oh. it's just you're just waiting for that one player to kind of do a Jack Grealish, do you know what I mean, mm. and become a club hero and stuff like that. But it's a, uh, I think it's probably borderline fairy tale stuff in it. So, but yeah, mm. I'd love to keep hold of him to be honest. 
I mean, he's he's a fairly local lad. Um, yeah. I've done a piece on him before, and I, I can't exactly remember exactly where he's from, but he is a local lad. And given our track record, I assume that we will be offering him a new contract, and it will yeah. be a shame to let him go because, in my opinion, he's probably the most promising and exciting prospect we've had since maybe Sido. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. just because of how. He's he's gone to League Two. He's done the hard yards. He realised he wasn't good enough to play in Championship football under um, Val. Yeah. Even though you, you've seen the the spark and the brightness with him, you knew he wasn't going to reach those heights sort of under that season. Mm. He yeah. went to League Two, done the hard yards, come back, and arguably he, he could be a starter for for us. To be honest, I, I know yeah. that you, I know you feel like how how good of a player he is, and he's definitely put his, his name in the hat there. So. It'd be a real shame to, to see him go, if yeah. if the rumours are, are true. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the big, <laughs> biggest if in the world. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him get a few more minutes, to be honest. Um, yeah, it feels like he gets drives and drabs today. Obviously, our wingers at the moment are playing very well, Grady and, and Phillips. And um, yeah, so it's a difficult one. And uh, someone replied to me earlier saying, Obviously, with uh, Swift coming back and, you know, his strikers coming back, so that means Wallace probably will go, go back over to the right. It's a, you know, it's a it's a tough ask to kind of find a minute for him, especially with Sarmiento in the squad as well, who personally, uh, I said it on Saturday, I'd, I would put fellows above Sarmiento in the pecking order mm. for a couple of reasons, to be honest. But, you know... Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one. I would love to see him get, you know, solid minutes, but it's hard to to envisage 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 it to be honest. But then I'd like to see him go out on loan. Uh, if not, obviously I know Carlos has said a few times about his he uh, kept two spots for youth players, didn't he, and mm. to to supplement the team. Um, which obviously rightly so, you can't be too careful. But it's just you got to find that balance between getting him, you know, that match time and supplementing your squad. And I mean, fellows, I feel like you could see him going out to top of the League One, bottom of the Championship, and being a very good player for the team that he goes to. So I'm interested to see. You know, I wouldn't be interested to see what happens with these rumours for a start, but. I'd like to say I'd like to see him go out on loan and hopefully uh, Cleary as well to go out on loan in January. Um, see what he can do as well. So see what happens there. Completely agree. So <laughs> I think that that's all we have time for today. Unfortunately, Alf, <laughs> um, it's been a long one. Yeah, it has. Thank you again for joining me. Um, we will have another special episode out this week, as we mentioned last week. Um, it's going to be a quarterly season review, and we'll have our first special guest, which we haven't yet announced. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that will be it later this week. And again, Alf, thank you for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. And I'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs>